0: Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to our Big Time Talker podcast. We are live and nationwide on all your favorite podcasts and streaming services, Google, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend and subscribe. I'm Burke Allen in Washington, D.C. in our palatial studios. It's a beautiful day, so we've got the, uh, the sunroof cracked open. And we want to thank SpeakerMatch.com for sponsoring the program. If you're a platform speaker or you're a meeting planner, speaking engagements are coming back, whether they're in-person or virtual. You can get together and find one another with the help of SpeakerMatch.com. And our guest today has done more than her fair share of speaking. She has a business card that is about as long as my arm because she's done a lot of stuff. She is an inspirational speaker. She is a co-host of a very popular podcast. She's a singer, a performer, a youth advocate for at-risk youth, and in 2012, she wore the crown of Miss America. Laura Kepler is my friend and my guest, and it's so good to have you on the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Burke.
0: So, listen, you were not always Miss America. At one point, you were a small-town girl from Kenosha, Wisconsin, What in the world possessed you to think, one day I'm going to be Miss America?
1: Well, I didn't really have that exact thought, to be honest. Um, I kind of had a different path to pageants than some other young women may. You know, I think a lot of people think you are a young girl and you do this and then you aspire to be Miss America.
0: You were not a honey boo-boo. You did not start this as a little kid.
1: No, no, there are many, there are many girls who do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, however, I came to it a little later in life. I was in college and, um, was, I went to a private liberal arts school, Carthage College, and I was graduating and I had a lot of student loans. (laughs) And, um, a friend of mine in the music department, who was the outgoing Miss Kenosha, which is my hometown, Check. approached me and said, hey, they're, they're low on contestants. They need girls to compete. And talent is the, the, the highest scoring portion of the competition. So since you sing, would you ever be interested in doing this? And I did and um, it took me on a path I never, ever expected. But that, that's kind of how I started everything.
0: So what, had you not become Miss Kenosha, which I guess eventually begat Miss Wisconsin, which begat Miss America, that's, that's how that worked, right?
1: Right. Well, sort of, I, I, I became Miss Kenosha and then I placed second runner up at Miss Wisconsin. So then I had to go back down to the local level, which I did a different local outside of Milwaukee and then went to Miss Wisconsin and then Miss America. So it was like a two year process. It wasn't just boom, boom, boom. Um, but yes, that was the path.
0: What was your plan before you got involved in, in the Miss Kenosha pageant and and that two year odyssey that, that has really changed your life? What were you going to be? What were you going to do?
1: Well, I studied music. Um, I had always been a a singer. I grew up singing um, ever since I was really, really young and I studied music and I studied music education. So I thought that I was going to be a music teacher. I thought I was going to maybe teach a choir or um, teach at, you know, the high school level perhaps. And then my, um, when I was in high school, my choir teacher who is still my voice teacher to this day, one of my good dear friends, um, she also had a private voice studio on the side and she gathered a lot of her um, students through being a teacher at the school. Right. And so that's kind of what I thought I would do. I thought I, I knew I wanted to have a private voice studio. Um, and I thought I would be a teacher. I come from a family of teachers and, um, you know, that's what I thought I would do.
0: Did you also come from a family of, of singers? Were they singing teachers or are you the first one no. that could carry a tune in a bucket?
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm the only musical one. Um, I, I had a great my great grandmother, my great great grandmother, I think, on my dad's side, went to Juilliard and she played the piano. Okay. And so, like, our one connection to music in the family.
0: <laughs> you're kind of like, it sounds like your parents are, are like me. Like, I can play a radio, but that's pretty much as, as musical as I get. Um, right. You, on the other hand, I've seen video of you and you're an incredible singer. Um, and obviously, you train for years and years and years to do it. Is there a style of music that you like to sing more than others?
1: Well, I studied classical music. And um, when I went to school, it was when I studied music in college, it was kind of like you were in one camp or the other. It was either classical or music theater. And since I was in the music education program, it was more fitting for me to be in the classical group than the music theater group. I wasn't going to go like perform. I didn't want to move to New York and be on Broadway, et cetera. And so I wouldn't necessarily say that's like what I love to sing, but it is what I studied. And I think it's a good place to begin because you really learn technically and um, musically, what it really means to read music. And, um, I think that training was very valuable. Um, I do love music theater. I love country. I love jazz. Um, really starting to actually enjoy jazz because I think it's interesting that your errors could possibly work in your favor and that's very opposite of a classical training, which is you you read the notes, you sing the notes, and there's not much diversion from that. So I, I've been kind of enjoying the idea of imperfection when you sing. So
0: so yeah. I, I'm curious, because you love a little bit of everything. Like if I were to scroll through your Spotify playlist right now, what would I see on there? What would I hear?
1: Well, listening and singing are true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: called her out
1: I love love country I was just listening to Dan and Shay today and um, I I like hip hop I like um, just kind of whatever's popular on the radio I'll listen to Uh, but yeah singing and listening are different things
0: (laughs) so what you're telling me is we should not expect a Laura Kepler hip hop album anytime in the future
1: definitely not (laughs)
0: Laura Kepler is our guest today, 2012 Miss America, uh, and, and she does a whole bunch of other stuff. So the the pageant thing, I think, is fascinating for a lot of people that have not had firsthand experience. We've seen it on TV. Um, we get them all confused, all the different pageants. And and then maybe we've seen Miss Congeniality with Sandra Bullock. So um, you've been on the inside at the you know, from the, the local level to the highest level, what are some of the big misconceptions that someone might have about how pageants work?
1: There are, the, the biggest misconception, like you said, is that they're all under one umbrella. And um, the, one, the one major differentiating factor about the Miss America organization is that it's a scholarship program. So anytime you win a pageant, you don't win a trophy, you don't win money, uh, like ca- a cash prize, you earn a scholarship. And so it's all to be used to go back to your education, to, to currently pay for your education or to pay student loans from your education, to put it towards a higher, de- um, you know, a, a higher degree of some sort. And so that's a really big misconception. Another huge misconception is that it's a beauty pageant that you're, you're scored only based on beauty, right? Miss America always has been a, uh, you know, it's been a beauty pageant. It started in the 1920s as a bathing beauty pageant where the young women wore swimsuits and there's these iconic pictures of the girls on the boardwalk down in New Jersey and they were in swimsuits. And one of the really cool things about Miss America is that, it has progressed over time because of the women that have competed. And so the platform, for example, which is a huge part of Miss America, every young woman has a a platform that they speak about and are in the community talking about. That began because one Miss America said, I'm not just a model, I I want to advocate for something that is important to me. Talent came about in the same way. Um, scholarship, I believe, came about in the same way. And so it's, it's cool in that the program has evolved because the women competing in it said, hey, I'm more, more than just a pretty face. I'm more than just a young woman who's in a bathing suit, although that's how it began. Um, it's definitely evolved and progressed with the times because of the women who've gone through the program, which is really cool.
0: That is cool. And, and that begs the question. And I wonder what your thought is, and of course, you're not speaking for the, the organization, but the swimsuit portion of it has, has the time come where in, in your mind that should no longer be a part of Miss America, or does it still have a place?
1: Well, it is no longer part of Miss America.
0: Really? Yeah. So you so, did it, right? But but no longer do Miss America contestants do that.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure, Burke. Um, it was a big, uh, controversial topic a few years ago, and um, I believe, yep, it does not have a swimsuit portion of the competition. I had I had to just double check because I've been out of the know for a few a few years. But um, yeah, a few years ago, I was actually on the board of directors for Miss America. And it was a really big, really big conversation because Miss America has always battled with its identity in society. How do we stay relevant when this is a part of our past? And it's always had a hard time um, <clears throat> owning the past and saying, yes, this is how we started and, and still keeping that tradition part of the competition while maintaining um, the respect and integrity from people who may be watching and and from the people who maybe say, hey, this isn't what women should be advocating for right now in 2021. And so that was a really controversial decision. I mean, listen, I did it. It wasn't my favorite part of the competition, but what I did, what I did appreciate because of it was I really learned how to exercise, how to eat well um, and the discipline that it takes to really maintain a healthy body. It's not easy. And it's, if it, if it was, everyone would be really fit and really in shape and, The truth is it's hard and it really takes um, dedication. And so I really value what I learned from that, from the swimsuit portion, um, because I still apply that to my everyday life today. And I'm 10 years removed from the program.
0: And by the way, Laura is the co-host of the Health Interrupted podcast with celebrity fitness trainer, Gina Lombardi, and you can find it in most of the same places you find uh, our Big Time Talker podcast. So check out Health Interrupted. Um, I, I can only imagine that once you win that crown, um, that it's got to be like being shot out of a rocket. Um, I, I wonder if there are a handful of memories or certain things that you remember from, from that night when it happened or that year subsequent to you winning that, that really stand out, whether it's, you know, a favorite thing that you got to do or a favorite place you went or maybe uh, a first encounter with a famous person that you would never have imagined meeting until you became Miss America. Are there a couple of things that really stand out from that year? Sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it it was. It was a whirlwind and it starts immediately. Immediately after you're crowned, you begin a press conference and I remember someone being backstage with like a makeup bag because I was crying and I forgot to wear waterproof mascara. Who who does that? I did. I forgot to put waterproof How mascara. How dare you? Yeah. I didn't think about it. And so there's all these photos of me winning and I have these black mascara streaks running down my face. And so someone was at, at the, the, the off stage, and they had my makeup bag. And I remember just sitting down with someone and she was worked for the organization. And she said, you know, we're going to go to this press con- conference. And she said, just be yourself. Everything is going to be great. Just be yourself. And, um, Immediately from there, there were all these after parties that night. And then the very next morning, I flew to the East Coast to do a big media tour. And I remember my first interview was on Good Morning America. And uh, I just remember pulling up to the studio and walking across the street. And it was surreal. It was really, really surreal. And, And the rest of the year followed in that surreal feeling because I was singing the national anthem that you know um the professional <laughs> yeah yeah at everything yes <laughs> that was that was like can she sing yes have her do the anthem <laughs> <laughs> plug <laughs> her in here a lot, but at really big sporting stadiums like um the yankee stadium and pa- the packers and uh, the chicago cubs and I got to travel and meet a lot of politicians. I went to the White House and met President Obama, which was the highlight of my year. And actually, when I was at the White House, I went into uh, Vice President Joe Biden's (laughs) office at the time, and he wasn't there. He was traveling. So I got to hang out in his office. He had a putting a little putting green set up in his office (laughs) and one of his aides was there and she was really cool we were talking she was showing us around his office and um i just look back on that now and i'm like wow that's so cool to have been in now president biden's you know office and um
0: did you rifle through the desk just to see what was in there were you tempted
1: no no i didn't but We've got a great tour of the White House, which I've done a handful of times, but this time they gave us, like, a really good behind-the-scenes kind of tour and um, just to walk through those halls, you know, and think about who else has walked through those halls, what other women have walked through those halls. Uh, that's definitely the highlight for me.
0: Oh, that's pretty huge. Laura Kepler is mm-hmm. our guest today. 2012 Miss America, and all-around do-gooder who's constantly – helping other people, and we're going to talk to her about some of that do-gooding in a minute, uh, and I'm going to bring it up because I know you won't. Um, you, you mentioned the National Anthem, though, and singing it at these big, huge sporting events, you know, football stadiums with 60,000, 70,000 people in them. I have always heard that as a singer that that's a really hard song to sing, and I wanted to see if, if that's true for you, or did it just roll out?
1: It is, a, it is a hard song to sing. I grew up singing it at in high school. I was like the designated anthem singer for all the basketball games and football games. And even like my own sporting events, I'd play volleyball and like do my warm up. And then I'd go sing the anthem and then go back to the team. Get
0: Kepler to so, do it. She'll do it.
1: Yeah. And so... Um, it's a hard song to sing. I had done it so many times that to me, that part wasn't difficult, but what was difficult was one time in high school, I was singing the national Anthem and I forgot the words. Oh my God. And I just stopped singing and I was in my mind trying to figure out where I was in the song. And one of the coaches that was standing right next to me started singing where I left off. And I just, started where I left off. I took her cue and I finished the song. But to this day, every single time I sing the national anthem, and that was probably 20 years ago, 15 years ago to this day, I still am nervous that I'm going to forget the words. (laughs) So for me, for me, that's that, that's my, that's my nervousness when it comes to that song.
0: Yeah, I would, uh, I I think that would become a recurring nightmare for me. I would probably wake up in a cold sweat. (laughs)
1: Yes, On the regular after that.
0: Oh, my God. Um, Yeah. Was there you you mentioned meeting uh, uh, President Obama uh, as part of Miss America. Were there any um, uh, any weird celebrity encounters that you had after your Miss America? Anything that, that just sort of stood out and you thought, okay, you know, Dorothy, you're not in Kansas anymore. I've now officially crossed over the twilight zone. Like, did you ever wind up in a professional wrestling ring or any anything just really weird that you wound up doing?
1: Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there were some weird things like, um, not, not, I guess not really weird, but it's not as, gl- it's not as glamorous as everyone thinks. Like, what?
0: Now tell me about that. How can being Miss America not be glamorous? Come on.
1: Well, there, I mean, there definitely are glamorous parts to it, but it is a job. And so what people don't know is that you travel the entire year. You're on an airplane every other day in a different city, almost every other day. And so you, one of the beautiful things is that you go, you, you really travel across the country. So you can be in really small town, you know, Midwest somewhere and then be on one of the coasts and be in a big city. And so um, I've done everything, you know, we, I've gone to county fairs and who knows what you do at a county fair i don't know but like, you know you do real small town things and then you do bigger glamorous things but um it it it, it was a job it wasn't you know i can't think of anything specific that was strange but I remember many times I loved my suitcases from the, the baggage claim and bringing them to the car, and sometimes plans change. There wasn't a driver there, and we had to grab our stuff and find a taxi. Or, I remember one time actually, this is funny. Um, sometimes, if you were working with a nonprofit, um, there were certain guidelines like you know, you had to have a driver and blah blah blah, and this kind of car, and it would meet you inside. But if we were working with a nonprofit that maybe didn't have that big of a budget, of course, they made different uh, arrangements. And so sometimes someone from the organization that you were working with would come to the airport and meet you and pick you up and take you to your hotel or event. And this one time, it must have been a situation like that because someone from the organization met us in this teeny, teeny, tiny car. It was like a two door car with no trunk. And I had two big suitcases and a carry on and I always traveled with another woman um Like a manager type woman who had two big suitcases and a carry on
0: right
1: and inside this car, there were these big orange construction cones, and so i don't know if this person thought it was like just two two people and we could fit in the back seat and these giant construction cones were in the front seat, <laughs> but we ended up like jamming all of our suitcases in that car, and then we took a taxi somewhere i don 't know, but People don't expect, you know, all the luggage to come with, but we were on the road for the whole year. So we lived out of two suitcases and swapped our clothing out like every couple of weeks. Um, so so yeah. when I, years ago, Laura, That's I fine. dated a, a, <laughs> a,
0: a TV anchor and she would not go out of the house unless like every hair was in place and the makeup was perfect. If you're running all over the country And you got 6 a.m. flights. I mean, does Miss America have to look uh, ship-shape before you roll into the airport? Or, Or were there some sweatpants and hoodies kind of mornings?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Miss America isn't catapulted to like an overnight celebrity like she was years and years and years ago where you only had three television stations. So everyone knew Miss America's face. So I could kind of just get away with going, you know, going to the airport and no one knew who I was. So I didn't have to be super dressed up for travel days. I didn't like completely schlep it, but <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> getting completely ready for an event or something.
0: Hey, um, tell me about, uh, you mentioned the other Miss Americas and, and sort of the the history of that whole thing. You're part of a pretty exclusive club there. There are not a whole ton of people that have been Miss America and I wonder do you guys talk is there like a uh, a sorority type organization uh, you know th- that you get in touch with one another you know what what the other Miss Americas are up to or is it completely and totally disconnected?
1: No, no, we're all really connected. And um, every year at the, at the pageants, um, of course, everyone gets together, uh, the formers. This is this year is the 100th anniversary of Miss America. So there's a lot of gatherings going on. I actually hosted years and years and years ago, the very first um, former Miss America gathering. We made it like a retreat weekend because normally everyone just gets together during the pageant in Atlantic city um, or Vegas, I guess where it was for a handful of years, but I hosted everyone to my home in California and I really wanted it to be uh, because like you said, it is such a unique group of women and the women are what make the organization and they have all had such incredible lives and journeys and careers and um I wanted to get everyone together and that began a tradition where a different you know every year a different Miss America will host everyone everyone that can attend will go and it's kind of become an annual an annual tradition and um we all I just spoke to two former Miss Americas a couple days ago because we do share a unique experience that no one else really understands except for our group. And we all really respect and admire one another.
0: And when you come to the end of that year of doing all that, um, what's, what's it like to come down from being shot out of that, that, uh, that rocket ship? Because you said you're all over the country. You probably have visited, if not all 50 states, most of them. And, you mm-hmm. you know, in and out of airports constantly and you're constantly on TV and constantly doing the national anthem or personal appearances. What's the come down like after that?
1: I think that's where the group of formers really come in the most because it is a come down. It is a very strange return to real life. Um, and a lot of young women have a hard time with that. There's a lot of pressure to strike while the kettle's hot. I think is the saying, you know, like you're only that former Miss America for that year. And then there's another Miss America and another and a f- more formers. And so there's a lot of pressure. And um, for me, I was very comfortable in the transition because personally, I'm not always I don't always love the the attention that was kind of um uncomfortable at times. And I also really needed a break. I was talking about a lot of heavy stuff for a whole year and I was ready for some downtime, but it can be, it can be very challenging. A bit of an identity crisis to some young women. So I think that's where the support of the formers has really come in handy.
0: Laura Kepler is our guest today. She is a former Miss America, but she's also a whole lot more than that including the host of this really interesting podcast called Health Interrupted. And uh, you co-host this with uh, celebrity fitness trainer, Gina Lombardi, who she is also your trainer, right?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So where did the idea for, for this podcast come from? And, and for people who haven't listened, I have, and I dig it. Um, What do you mean by Health Interrupted?
1: The idea came from the pandemic actually, when we all were interrupted in our lives, incredibly. Um, <clears throat> and the more Gina and I kind of sat with this notion of being interrupted, we reminisced on all the times that our workouts were interrupted by my kids or, uh, you know, some kind of malfunction. And we just still found a way to to do it. And we sat with that notion of being interrupted, but still figuring out um how to prioritize our health and we realized there are actually a lot of people who have had health interruptions whether they're big or small and so we created this podcast where we talk to people who've had really big health interruptions yet they haven't allowed that to define them and by health I mean everything from physical to mental health to emotional health to spiritual health and we also talk to experts, doctors in the field who share their secrets to optimal health. But the, the whole premise of the podcast is to talk to people who have had interruptions that haven't, they haven't allowed them to, um, you know, stop their life. And it's really inspiring to hear their stories, how they've gone on to become bigger, bolder, versions of themselves and go on to do things that are pretty incredible
0: you said that uh you know you get interrupted uh during your workout by your kids have you ever laura just pulled them aside and said kids do you realize that you're interrupting miss america when she's trying to do a workout or, or do the kids <laughs> nonplussed by that
1: they don't get that i think well it's funny i t- i was um I was back home and my mom and my sisters were like, Let's watch the pat let's watch the night you won with Ben, my my son, who's six. And I was like, Okay, that might be fun. And so we did, and he was watching and he's like, Mom, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Wow, this is actually kind of strange. So <laughs> wow. I don't think that applies with them.
0: <laughs> hey, kids could care less. Kids are honest. They they just yep. are nonplussed.
1: Yep. That's the truth. So, when
0: you've done these health interrupted podcasts, um, I wonder if if there are certain folks that you've talked with um, in in your first season that their stories really resonated with you, or or you actually thought, "Wow, I can't imagine overcoming, you know, that health challenges." Were, Were there a couple that were really interested? So, if someone who's listening right now says, "I want to check that out," like which episode should they they dial up first?
1: Absolutely. I mean, they all are <clears throat> really all inspiring um, in their own right. But we talked to Bethany Hamilton, who is a professional surfer uh, who lives in Hawaii. She had a very famous accident when she was 13, where she was um, in the water surfing and she was uh, she had a, a shark attack. And that shark took her uh, her entire arm uh, up to her shoulder. And she still um just, I think, weeks after she was out of the hospital, was back in the water surfing. And she shares the story of resilience and adaptation to her life with one arm and how she was more fearful of losing surfing in her life than uh, sharks. And so she now is a world-famous surfer with one arm. <laughs> and, unbelievable. Uh, it's unbelievable. We also spoke to a woman named Stephanie Victor, who was pinned in between two cars. Uh, a drunk driver hit her and drug her to another car that pinned her where she lost both of her legs from the waist down. And um, she's gone on to become a Paralympic uh, gold medalist downhill skier. And um, she has this story of resilience where she knew her life had purpose And she was not going to let that stop her wildest dreams from coming true. So we talked to these people who have gone through these incredible experiences and it's been so inspiring for me and Gina to say, wow, you know, if, if, if they can do that, we can certainly get through our minor interruptions. So, um, It's been really inspiring, and we hope that anyone who listens will be inspired as well.
0: Well, I highly recommend the Health Interrupted Podcast, uh, co-hosted by Laura Kepler and Gina Lombardi on most of these same platforms. And uh, check that out. Hey, we've just got a couple of minutes left, so I need to ask you really important questions and uh, before we run out of time. and, And I want to start with this one because you are a native of Wisconsin. What is a cheese curd, and why should we eat them? (laughs)
1: well it's i yes i actually don't like cheese (laughs) what
0: wait a minute hold on let me see your wisconsin credentials here
1: i mean i like cheese but i don't just eat it plain like a lot of people do uh who's from wisconsin but yes the cheese curd is a fried piece of cheese battered in dough and fried and then eaten with i think people like ranch maybe or marinara sauce sometimes it's a big hit
0: but you, as a healthy person, probably did not gobble down the cheese curds, especially uh, on the run up to the swimsuit competition. I'm just guessing here.
1: <laughs> right? Yes, that's correct. On the way to that, I wouldn't oppose one now, but it's not my cheese <laughs> is not my favorite. <laughs> um. All
0: right. Have you uh, Have you ever had an old Milwaukee beer? Old Milwaukee.
1: Um. I don't know about that. Probably. I would think so.
0: I'm beginning to really question your Wisconsin bona fides
1: here. <laughs> listen, listen. Uh-huh. I'm very possible in my in my college days, I'm sure that was <laughs> I'm sure that was something that I tried. Back in the days at Carthage College. But that one's that specifically, that doesn't ring a beer. Like, um, Pabst Blue Ribbon, I think, is from that area, of course. Uh, Spotted Cow, those are all local Wisconsin beers.
0: Well, I'm going high shelf here. I'm going all the way (laughs) to the top with the old Milwaukee.
1: Um, Right. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The white can with the red and blue writing, right? That's right. Yes, okay. See, it just took me a minute. It's all coming back.
0: So what was it like growing up there in Kenosha? Kenosha is not a big town. It's a small town. Were you uh, you know, typical small town girl looking back on it. Was it a good place to grow up? Tell me about your, your memories of growing up in small town, Wisconsin.
1: Absolutely. I loved growing up there. Um, the people are just such kind, genuine, um, hardworking, good people. And, um, Kenosha is really a community that really comes together to support one another. And, um, I loved growing up there. I think it was a great place to be raised.
0: You um you've given back a, a ton to that town, and one of the things that, that you've done, which I think is really cool, is be a part of this celebration, uh, celebrate Kenosha event. And Donnie Most is is one of the performers at Celebrate Kenosha, which is this big free outdoor concert, and you put you're putting it on along with uh, Uline and, and Carthage College. Um, were you familiar with sort of the the faux Milwaukee Hollywood connection to happy days or maybe that was a generation before you, but were you aware that Laverne and Shirley and happy days and all that were supposed to take place in Wisconsin?
1: I did. It was, you know, I was a little young, um, but I definitely grew up watching happy days. uh, You know, the, the reruns obviously um but yeah there's a huge connection it's amazing that he's gonna host celebrate Kenosha I think everyone's gonna really love that
0: oh it's pretty great and, and uh Saturday Night Live legend Joe Piscopo is gonna be on the bill who's a great singer in his own right and uh, you know he's got some great stories about meeting Sinatra and then you've got uh, Landau, Eugene Murphy, Jr., who won America's Got Talent, who you and he, I guess, have something in common because you you win these big televised events, and it really does change your life forever. And, and I wonder if when you think back about growing up in Wisconsin and in Kenosha, um, what your life uh, – do you th- ever think about that, what your life would have been like had you not uh, gone down the Miss America route? I mean, would you have continued to be maybe a music teacher there in Kenosha?
1: Yeah, probably. I think so. Um, you know, who knows what life will bring? But um, I definitely am grateful for all the opportunities that have come my way. And um, <clears throat> even if I, even if even if I were a music teacher living in Kenosha, I, I, that would be great too. Um, so yeah, you never know where life will take you. That's for sure.
0: Today it took you to the Big Time Talker podcast, and I'm so glad you took time out to hang out with us. Hope you had fun.
1: Thank you, Burke. It was great.
0: That is my pal, Laura Kepler. She was Miss America in 2012, but she's also a great inspirational speaker, the co-host of the Health Interruptive podcast, a classically trained singer who wants to sing more jazz, so we need to work that out. Uh, She does lots of advocacy work for at-risk youth, and you can find out more about her at laurakepler.com. That's K-A-E-P-P-E-L-E-R, laurakepler.com. Laura, thanks for hanging out today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Burke.
0: The Big Time Talker podcast is brought to you by our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. From our studios in Washington, D.C., I'm Burke Allen. Thank you so much for listening today. Go out and make it a great day. Bye, everybody.